What's going on, you guys? It's Bleed. It's your boy, Al Mack, and this is the MMA Post Show. Oh, boy, Al. UFC Vegas 25. We got to flex on them a little bit. Uh, that main event, an absolute classic, an absolute highlight reel KO. Yuri Prochaska versus the 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 body, the corpse of who was Dominic Reyes. Um, man, what what an incredible fight while it lasted. We're gonna talk about the whole main card, but before we do that, I got to throw it to my boy Al Mac. Al, what the fuck is up? <sighs> what a crazy night, man. I thought this is this is like usually there's a bit of a letdown when you're coming off of such a huge pay-per-view like what uh, UFC 261 was. But I gotta say, this wasn't a letdown. Like, yeah, we had uh we had eight fight go go the distance, but a lot of those fights were pretty good. And like yeah. this main card, this main card could have been a pay-per-view. You throw one title fight on there, you got a pay-per-view. This was a great uh this this card was booked perfectly. I, it was uh, it was just awesome, and yeah. But one thing uh, this we haven't seen this uh, happen very much this year. But the favorites the favorites went seven three and one tonight. If you bet on the favorite in every single fight, you were up 0.39 units to end the night, and that's that's pretty rare for the favorites to uh, you know finish the finish the night in profit. And uh, one thing we have seen a lot of though the over. The over went nine and two tonight, and uh, like I said, fight goes the distance. Yes, went eight and three for plus three point six five units, and uh, yeah, it just continues. Uh, we continue to see the over and the fight goes that the over, distance. man, yes. killing it yeah. this year. So yeah, and uh, let, let's get into it. Like uh, this is just a super fun card. Like I said, it could have been a, it could have been a pay per view. Uh, you know, you throw, and I can't believe it was in a, in the states. It was on ESPN Plus. This wasn't even on the big network. And uh, luckily for me, it was on TSN in Canada. So I got to catch it uh, with, with a little bit of a de uh, delay uh, on the stream. And it is what it is. But yeah, let's get into it, man. This is a, an awesome card. Absolutely. Well, first off, I just got to start off. This is a gambling-based show, right? And what do you know? Bleed killed it. I mean, goddamn, dude. I am just on fire lately i mean i clean sweeped wednesday one thursday pfl lfa friday i lost two bets tonight but i murdered them again tonight oh my goodness the patreon's popping it's so lit the money's flying just let it throw it in the air al i wish i had a stack of money right now that i could just throw in the air for everybody on the stream uh i'm killing it dude al how did you do tonight on this card Tonight it was one of those nights where you got to bet value, and uh, I made <laughs> nineteen bets tonight. I went ten eight and ten eight and one for plus two point nine four units. So I'm up about still up about like five units in twenty twenty one. I'm up about twenty units since the start of last year. So uh, you know, me and you were we we got different philosophies in the way that we bet, but it always we we end up in the same the same ending point which is us both uh cashing sometimes it hurts me a little bit more because i'm betting we'll talk about it going into this stamen fight you know sure. sometimes i'll just bet the the value even though i don't think the the fighters and and like gonna you know win but sometimes the value pays off and we saw that uh you know we'd be here all night if we were going to talk about that 
the undercard, but we saw that on the undercard in this one. And uh, yeah, let's get into it uh, with uh, Marab and uh, Cody Stamen. Absolutely. First fight of the night, man. It was a good one. Marab Dwalishvili, the Georgian, goes in there and he just does Marab stuff. And you know what? I like to call, I got a little, I got a name for this guy because I've been riding it for a while and it's called the Mirab Money Train. I just, listen, if Mirab's fighting, I'm betting him and I'm winning, okay? I parlayed him up, Al. You know what time it is. The parlay of the week. Marab Dwalishwili, Loma Luke Boone Me. I don't miss on this parlay of the week. Marab comes through in big ways. I had a 30-27. I think one judge did. Another, I think the other two go 29-28, unless I'm mistaken. Marab Dwalishwili wins this fight. Cody Stammen knows Marab Dwalishwili wins this fight. I mean, this guy's wrestling. This guy's cardio pace the motor it's just unreal takes down cody stammen more than anyone ever has of course he is who who else is going to do better than marab dwalish really at 135 pounds i'll tell you nobody this guy is a wrestling machine showed us even improved boxing you know i was actually concerned that stammen was going to be the sharper striker in this matchup not the case uh mirab's even the better boxer at this point al we talk about it all the time this guy's got a limit and it's, it's the sky. You know what I mean? Uh, sky's the limit for Marab Dvalishvili. I do believe this guy could be championship material, depending on matchups the rest of the way. I have him in the parlay of the week. It cashes. Al, tell me what you did with this one. Well, I lost. But this is an awesome fight. And this is one of those ones where, you know, this morning when I was putting my bets in, I saw the under two and a half in this fight was at plus 300 and that was just you know me i could not resist like give me a one percent play on that because that's that's you know you compare that to the softest hands of the female fighters in the strawweight division and i'm not taking anything away from those women i'm just you know stating the facts about how it works with the the betting results sure you rarely ever see a plus 300 on an under in a woman versus woman fight. And this was two, you know, highly ranked bantamweights. And this is one of those ones where I just couldn't resist. And I honestly, I, I couldn't resist on Cody Stamen either. And the fight was pretty close. Like, I don't think that Stamen should have been a plus 200 underdog in this fight. Like, you know, I do agree. It was probably, you know, you can make a case for 30, 27. You can make a case for 29, 28. I don't think the fight was, very close on the judge's scorecard. I don't have a problem with that. But as far as, you know, the way that both those guys were throwing, uh, I was completely fine with, you know, putting 1% uh, down on uh, this fight going under two and a half rounds at three to one because uh, it was it was just, it was a war. It was a straight up war and they were both throwing for the fences. But it comes down to uh, Marab getting getting the decision, you know, like, like everybody thought he was going to. And now... Uh, that's eight straight overs for Marab in his UFC career. Eight and zero on the over for plus three point zero four units. Decision machine. So that goes to show you how uh, you know three point zero four units across eight fights. So you do the math. That's like more than minus two hundred yep. per over, and then uh, uh, to win by decision. So he's had eight fights in the UFC. He has the one loss. He has um, so six and two. Uh, on the judges' scorecards, going uh, 
3.03 units on the to win by decision prop. So again, even on the to win by decision prop, he's coming in at uh, at uh, he was minus 137 in this fight. So uh, it's just interesting, man. This is what this is the type of guy that I'm always going to try to fade because somebody's going to come around and and someone's going to someone's going to make a case for uh, make a case for for beating him. But at this point, like, like you said, sky is the absolute limit. And uh, yeah, but, you know, I, I just can't get behind, uh, take nothing away from Cody Stamen in this fight. This is a, a good fight uh, for him. And uh, I'm going to continue to back him. And uh, yeah, I would, I would love to see Marab actually get a step up that we can bet on him as an underdog because then that's, that's when I'm, all over it you know what i mean that and, might be that might be a fantasy my man this dude's on a tear <laughs> I, I i think you know i mean listen you're it's gonna have to be like a, a contender fight or like a championship fight i think and even then it's gonna have to be like a petter yawn or somebody as a champion i think to ever get marab as an underdog and whoa uh that sounds like a damn good fight, dude. So I'm a big, I'm a big guy. I, I just love the dude. Marab Dwalashvili, like I said, a money train. I've been writing for years. I mean, the win streak this dude's on, I've literally just siphoned money off the books every step of the way. And, you know, it's always depending on matchup, right? But I don't see, I don't see this coming to a, a stop anytime soon, unless it is in that championship level situation. And even then, who's to say that this guy's not going to go out there and just take everybody down? Cody Stamen had over 80% takedown defense coming into this fight. That number took a huge hit tonight. He's probably looking at about 50% when you come out of a fight with Marab. You know, just absolute uh, insane. I love Marab. Uh, Cash is the parlay of the week. Al, should we, should we move on? Yeah, speaking of fighters that you love, uh, this next fight, this is a guy that I love in Sean Strickland. Oh, and this my is a, this is a goodness. Great fight. I am with you, Al. I was just talking about the parlay of the week, right, Cashin? Well, not only did I get the parlay, baby, I got the Hail Mary parlay cashed. You want to know who was on the end of that one? Sean Strickland. This dude goes out here. Unanimous decision went over Christoph Jocko. Christoph Jocko's a good fighter, okay? This dude's very solid. This guy training out of American Top Team. He's fighting. He's in there training with the best guys in the world, okay? Sean Strickland, uh, a guy that pretty heavy on the front leg. Why isn't people aren't leg kicking? I'm not sure. Probably because he's firing an absolute piston down the middle when you do, smacking you in the face. Very upright, not very good head movement. But Sean Strickland just marches forward like the Terminator and just boxes your face up. And that's just how this fight went. Sean Strickland continuously comes forward. Jocko always moving backwards. Jocko had moments. Jocko landed some good hard shots. But it, it, let's keep it real, man. This was all one-way traffic. Clear-cut win for Sean Strickland. Christoph Jocko not on his level. Uh, Sean Strickland, I, I, I love the dude, right? I mean, I was almost saying to myself, you know, is this guy the, – the number we got Sean Strickland, you know, I think he probably went off – a minus 225 to minus 250 range. I'm like, are we getting a little too ahead of ourselves here? Not at all. That dude, there was value in Sean Strickland minus 225. When we look at, you know, uh, in retrospect, how this matchup played out, in my opinion, uh, I don't think it was close. Sean Strickland just out points, out lands, out damages, just everything. He won in every aspect of the fight over Jocko. Very high on this kid right now. Um, Man, uh, this dude needs a big step up. I think he's number 15 in the division right now. 
Um, let's get him number 10, number 11, whoever that may be. Uh, the dude needs to step up. Sean Strickland looks phenomenal right now. Uh, a guy that I had, I, I had to figure out a way to have a little bit of skin in the game with Strickland. I throw him in the Hail Mary, baby. We cash it. Al, tell me what you did on this one. Uh, this is another one. I, I don't, I, I guess I didn't do very good on the main card here, but this is another one that I lost, but I enjoyed it because I had Strickland to win inside the distance. And Yako is a, is another, uh, he's a de- uh, decision machine. And I thought, you know, this is going to be one of those ones where it's going to look like it's going to, it's going to be going forward. Uh, like, you know, Strickland's very tough. He's got a very good poker face. It, but it's it just seemed like a, a matter of time. Strickland's shots were going to wear down on Yako. Um, you know, the second round was pretty even, but it was just the same pattern over and over again in those three rounds uh, where, you know, uh, Strickland's opponent comes out off the hop. And then as the fight, as the round goes on, Strickland just wears on you. He's so tough. He's like a American zombie. Like he's just so imposing. He's got an iron chin, right? And uh, I was hoping for the stoppage, but the thing about him, he's content to just go out there and pick his opponent apart. He doesn't have any. Um, he doesn't have. He doesn't waste energy, right? He's so efficient. He doesn't wind up his shots. He doesn't get over emotional, even when his opponent is a little bit dazed. He's very conservative. He doesn't come in with looping shots. He doesn't rush in with his head down. He's very precise. And again, another really smooth performance by Strickland here. Uh, yeah, I wish I wish he got the finish, but it is what it is. Uh, but this is one where I went against the numbers here, where my handicapping, crunching the numbers based on the previous betting results, you know, it gave me uh, it, it gave me Kristoff by decision. And I knew right away there was no way that I was going to bet that because uh, it was was Sean Strickland all day. It was one of those ones where it was my gut. My gut had to come in and tell me, uh, you know. But the thing was, I just thought uh, Yako is one of those fighters where he's had had a lot of fights, but it's been stretched over a long period of time. Right. And similar to Strickland. Uh, but Strickland, uh, Strickland had a you know devastating motorcycle accident that frankly almost killed him, almost ended his career. And since he's come back, he's been undefeated. He's three and zero since he came back. But uh, uh, yeah, my point was here that I just thought Yako wasn't going to be the same guy that we thought he was. That you know the the numbers reflect him to be. And I just thought that Strickland was going to get that finish. But you know, I, I guess I underestimated him a little bit. But, uh, dude, Sean Strickland is a serious problem. Uh, you know what the fight is? The fight to make, and this might be too big of a, of a step up, but how good would Sean Strickland versus Kevin Holland be? I like it. You know, I thought about that earlier tonight uh, when they showed after the broadcast the top 15. That's what immediately jumped out at me. And, I mean, the thing is it's like it's, it's a pretty good fight, right, because here's the thing. The path to the path to victory to beat Kevin Holland is the takedown. Why do I think Sean Strickland goes out there and just marches forward and tries to box with this guy? Because that's what he does, right? So um, honestly, it's a good test to get Kevin Holland a quality win if he wins, and it's also a very good test for Sean Strickland to see if this guy's boxing really is on that level. So Al, I'm totally with you, dude. That's uh, that's a really good matchup. I like it a lot. Yeah, and. Uh... It's interesting. Sean Strickland, you know, he's got a loss to Kamaru Usman. 
Right. Like this guy, like he's, he's legit. Right. And, and that's down a weight class. You know? Yeah. He, and he figured out, you know, after his accident, you know, I can't keep cutting down and it's the type of thing where, you know, you're, you're recovering from a, you know, from a traumatic event or, you know, even just an injury, you're going to try to come in at that weight class higher and then work for, to come down. But Strickland's the type of guy who, you know, he was like a middling, you know, trying to crack the top 15 when he was in welterweight. Not anymore, man. In middleweight, this guy's, in my opinion, this guy is like, this guy's close to being a guy. Like, he's he's legit. I would love to see him get, I would love to see him either get Holland or the winner of that um, that Jack Hermanson fight that's coming up. That might be too big of a of a step up, but I don't know, man. I, I, I With a 10-3 and three record in the UFC, I think this guy is legit, and I would like to see him get a big step up. And What's going to happen, I just thought about this as I was ranting, is he's going to step in. He's going to be one of those guys to step in. I know mm. that he does camp in Vegas. He's probably going to, you know, we got a, a stretch of fights that are happening in the U.S. He's going to probably continue his training camp. You know, he didn't really take that much damage tonight. Sure. Uh, so I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him come in, uh, on, in a, on a short notice fight. And I'll be all over him when he does. Yeah, I'm totally with you, dude. That sounds... Uh... That sounds crazy accurate. Here's one thing that I'm not sure a lot of people are aware. You want to know who this guy's current main training partner is? A guy named Marvin Vittori, okay? I'm going to tell you right now, when this guy goes into goes into the gym on a Tuesday, he's getting harder work sparring Marvin Vittori than what he got out of Jocko trying to win a fight tonight. And I'm not overstating that. This guy has said, you know, they have to be pulled off each other. They're bleeding. Yeah. They're going for it. I mean, and Marvin Vittori is one of the best middleweights in the world, okay? And Sean Strickland is probably pushing this guy. You know, iron sharpens iron. There's a reason why both of these guys are on such tremendous runs right now, and it's because they're elevating each other every freaking day, and yeah. we're seeing the results. It's just that simple. Um, yeah, man. Uh, should we move on, Al? Yeah, and, you know, from going to talking about a guy that I – I love to a guy that I think is a meathead to Ian Kutabala and, but you know, take, say what I'll say what I want about him. This is an amazing fight. And uh, yeah, let's, let's talk about it. What did you think about this one? Dude, this fight was a banger. Hey, listen, we got some point. I got, a, I got a lot to say about this fight. Really, man. Ewan Kudalaba, Dustin Jacoby split draw. One judge sees it. 29, 28 Kudalaba. One judge sees it. 29, 28 Jacoby. One judge sees it. 28, 28. We got ourselves a draw here, folks. I had a bet on Iwan Kudalaba, and I'm a little bit irritated, to be honest. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to absolutely take a draw over the L on a, Jaco on a Jacoby win because, personally, I didn't see a 29-28 Jacoby performance. Um, I think the best thing, which, you know, Paul Felder absolutely, and Bisping, I think, agreed with me. Uh, I think that was a 10-8 first round. I honestly think Kudalaba even won the second round, okay? Uh, I probably would have scored that 29-27, okay, as opposed to even 29-28. To me, that was a 10-8 first round by Kudalaba. Here's where I'm very, very disappointed and very angry. Mark Smith, referee Mark Smith, warns <laughs> Dustin Jacoby to stop grabbing the fence at least five times, okay? Yeah. Um, I'm thinking one might be good enough, and then the second time you take a point. I mean, and these weren't just like simple fence grabs. 
these were changing position as Kudalaba's getting the takedown. Jacoby oh, yeah. is gaining position, holding onto the cage, even if it's the slightest amount. Um, it's changing position. It's changing the outcome. Iwan Kudalaba got very close to stopping just Dustin Jacoby two or three times in this fight. The referee told Jacoby, protect yourself. you got to do something. Move. And a fence grab is what would save him as Kudalaba would try to drag him away to get a better position. I'm a little bit irritated here. I think I honestly think Kudalaba gets a 10-8 round in that first round, but it should have been 10-7 with a point deduction from Jacoby. And in that case, there's no way mathematically Kudalaba loses this fight. I'm disappointed in the referee. I'm disappointed that all three judges didn't see this as a 10-8 round. Um, yeah, I get it, though. Overall, when you look at the fight as a whole, it was a close fight. Iwan Kudalaba slowed down tremendously. Dustin Jacoby absolutely began to find his distance. You know, stayed off the ground. That's where he found success was on the feet. Uh, what, what do you know? The kickboxer, when he can stay on the feet, is having success. And that's where the second and third round were. Iwan Kudalaba still had very big moments in those rounds as well. I think that second and third round were just razor close. Um, I can understand how he came out with a draw here. I'm not like... You know, totally disappointed, but I think a draw is possible. I think a Kudalaba win is possible. I don't think Dustin Jacoby winning this fight's possible. One judge saw it that way. Uh, I had Kudalaba outright minus 125. It's a push like it never happened. Al, what did you have on this fight? I think we were on the exact opposite sides here. I was on Jacoby, man. Um, it, it was just one of those things with, you know, seeing Kudalaba's antics uh in the in the weigh-in uh you know grabbing him by the neck even after what we saw with the uh, jeremy stevens drakkar close thing and let's not even get into it but i was just gave me extra motivation to bet against this guy i really looked into <laughs> the way that dustin jacoby reacted to the way that that happened jacoby seemed to just be you know there he wasn't pulling out of this fight uh you know because of an injury because of uh what kudabala did to him uh, Aladrakar close, but yeah, I have to agree with you. And in my notes, I said it's funny, and let's get we can get into something else here. You know, Mark Smith had himself a night tonight because oh, you know, boy, did he! He had, he had a legendary performance, didn't he? It's funny, like Mark Smith had you know, he DQs random Marcos, and which we can get into in a bit. But let me let me just finish this thought. But I mean, he DQs Marcos for an accidental strike to a grounded opponent, which in is really just a stupid rule. And the reason that the rule exists is because they needed to have it that way for them to basically be able to have MMA sanctioned in North America. If they were going to use the pride rules of the soccer kicks and all that, they had to modify it because no, you know, no governing body was going to sanction, allow that to occur. And, uh, but yeah, uh, Jacoby, meanwhile, Grabs the cage like five times when he's fending off Kudabala. He look, looking like he went to the 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 Devison Figueredo school of fence grabbing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know he warns him multiple times, doesn't take a point, and it's pretty ridiculous in my opinion. And uh, you know, and let's just you know let's just hold it right here, just to go back to the random Marcos thing. Uh, I think we were both on the 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 right side of that DQ. Oh and, yeah. Cash it, baby. And, you know, really quickly, I'm just going to say this for the people that said that she was acting, 
Uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce her name. Uh, but for the, you know, this this woman was making her UFC debut. Juana Pinheiro. Yeah, Pinheiro. Thank you. Um, you know, she was making her UFC debut. She was frankly pretty much winning the fight up until that eye poke that kind of pissed uh, Marcos off, that sent her in kind of, you know, kind of in a rage mode there for the little bit of the fight. It got back down to the ground. And then as she was getting back up, you know, apart from it just being her toes, the fact of the matter is that she was, you know, she when you're kicking somebody in the face and she wasn't expecting it, it's a blindsided attack, right? True. And, you know, it, it, it takes the wind out of you. And then she also kicked her in the stomach right after, which, right. you know, apart, that could have been also what she was feeling was that kick to the stomach, which is obviously not a, an, a, an illegal strike. But I think that that uh, explains a lot of just the way that she looked. She looked really dazed. And, you know, at one point, I think that she asked what happened. Like, she she was like, did I lose? Yeah. And that may have been lost in translation. Hey, hey Al, I'm going to tell you right now. If that was okay, listen. Just I'm not. I'm not saying it was. I'm not implying it at all. Okay. I, I honestly, I really don't care. I just wanted to cash the ticket. I'm just glad I won the bet. Okay. Uh, acting or not, if that was acting, that's high level stuff, man. That's oh, yeah. that's go really getting into the psychology of a really hurt person. Did I lose? Like knowing you're about to get a DQ win, the ref's like, oh, that's pretty genuine. You know what? Let's give her the win. I like that. Uh, you know, I'll put it like this: if she was acting. She absolutely deserves the Oscar over Aljo. That guy's acting sucked. Uh, Aljo, if he had like a movie booked where they had like a minor part, the producer watched that fight and was like, oh, this is not going to work. Uh, uh, can we bring in uh, – uh, what's, what's, what's Dwight Grant up to? You know what I mean? Like, uh, like uh, yeah, Aljo, the acting – you know, uh, at the way – gets his hand raised. He's like, what? Where am I? Uh, I'm the champ, <laughs> you know? So, uh, but listen, I, honestly, man, and, and listen, I, I hate to say it. We can say maybe there's some acting involved. We'll never know. You know, we can't, we'd have to, we'd have to put ourselves within the mind of the fighter at the time. It is what it is. It's a rule of the sport for better or worse. It's how it goes. Did Randa Marcos hit her with an illegal kick? Was it significant? I think anyone would have to say yes. Uh, did she maybe play it up? Maybe. Maybe not, though. Maybe she was absolutely devastated, and the fight shouldn't continue. Oh, listen, we want to talk acting. Like, uh, another thing, she was carried from the octagon to the back. I mean, that's commitment to the role right there, Al. So, uh, but again, I'm not implying anything. I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt that she was hurt. She absolutely was dominating the fight, dude. Those were some of the best judo throws I've ever seen in my life. That was sick. Uh, I did want to see the chick's gas tank. I wanted to see if she could go deeper into a fight and maintain that pace. Uh, still have question marks, but nonetheless, dude, that was a good performance. I'm glad we both cashed on it. I'll go ahead. I'm, I kind of, I kind of uh, stole your point there. No, no worries. It's just like, uh, you know, I'm a fan of Random Marcos. You know, she's a Canadian. I'm a fan of hers. I was on the other side. I thought she might have been a little bit out of class in this fight, but um, you know. It's a dumb rule, and it should have been a no contest, and that's why I think Mark Smith is an idiot. If she wasn't able to continue, you know, it's apart from, like, what looked like, you know, you know, in the midst of a fight, um, you know, I'm not going to say that uh, Peter Yan meant to knee Aljo, but it was just, like, in the midst of a, you know, a pretty heated fight, and it, this is, it's just a lot different. And with the Aljo thing, 
you know, with the Aljo thing, it was like, yeah, that that's a title involved. So, you know, the acting is, is there's, you know, if you're approaching this, like from a, like a, an investigator's perspective, <laughs> you know, there's no motive for Pinheros to have, uh, to have faked this, that she was making her UFC debut and dominating. Was, yes. There was no motive for her to, you know, it's just, it's just, it doesn't make sense. And it's to be legit. It's pretty disrespectful that the first thing that Paul Felder said, a fighter himself, was that she was acting. Like I think that that's that's a little bit more down the road of Joe Rogan or something sure. like that. But you know, it was just uh, it, it was just unfortunate. But we won, and I had the under in that fight too, which is a like, cash at like a plus nice, nice plus one ninety five. But anyway, let's go back to uh, Kudabala and Jacoby. Um, it, yeah, this is one of those things with Kudabala. He was slowing down big time, but uh, I had I had the over one and a half in this fight, and I had fight goes the distance, which cash is like a plus two thirty five. Yeah, and which it, I gotta keep it real, dude. That sounds like a crazy bet to me going into this fight. So congrats on catching that. Uh, that's that's crazy, dude. Uh, at the same time, though, not a bad bet, Jacoby. Uh, I mean, he is a finisher, but at the same time, once well, it, once Kudalaba got past round one, you you were pretty, you were looking pretty good. So yeah, not well, a bad bet, I guess. At uh, one, some, so it's a great bet, right? Plus money yeah. bet that one, it's a great bet. So. so something that I something that I've just been ner- like learning to do is to stop, you know, judging a fighter on their entire career and kind of just like take how their career is going right now. Sure. And if you look, Jacoby you know, three fights in the UFC since coming back from glory and two decisions. And I was, I was like, I think that Ian Kudabala is a little bit plotting. And if he can catch him in that phase where he's, you know, a little bit gassed, I thought he might've just been able to stay on the outside. It didn't really turn out that way, but it is what it is. It was a, it was a good bet. I liked, uh, I liked the way it went. And uh, yeah, <clears throat> no doubt. Let's move on. Um, like I said, regardless of which side <clears throat> you had, it's a it's a draw split split yeah. split, split draw. So um, yeah, from Al cashes his bet. Uh, but um, damn, yeah, I get mine kicked back on Iwan Kudalaba. I don't know, man. Do these guys oh. run it back? Like, <sighs> yeah, I think they have to because. I am Kudalaba is now four, five, and one in the UFC. And I think that Jacoby has a sub 500 record too. But I mean, he has now he's two, one, and one since coming back. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, he did have a I pretty good stint years ago. Yeah. And in Bellator. And then, you know, he's a pretty, he's a pretty awesome athlete, man. He's a kind of a, like a combat sports legend fighting in high level glory, uh, kickboxing and also fighting in two, top promotions in mma i think that's pretty awesome but yeah i this is a fight this is a fight that would draw this is the type of fight you put on uh you know like um the prelims of a pay-per-view this is a this is i want to see this fight again this is a good yeah, fight why not why not yeah. run it back right it was, it was a it was an exciting fight why not run it back okay all right well that takes us up to the co-main event giga chikadze giga kicks Cub Swanson square on the liver. One minute, three seconds into the first round. Non-event. Non-event. 
I had a bet on Cub Swanson here. This is one of my only losses on the night. I had two losses, Cub Swanson being one and Luke Sanders doing Luke Sanders shit early in the night when looking like he's going to finish the fight in the first round. Luke Sanders, I don't know what this guy's deal is. But back to this one, Cub Swanson, I bet him plus 150. I felt like if Cub wouldn't spend as much time in the kickboxing range in this fight, you know, put it into the clinch position, take it to the mat, use some of that high-level jujitsu we know Cub Swanson has, I thought he could be a good test for Giga Chikadze. We never really got to find out. I mean, Giga Chikadze comes in here. The fight starts standing. Giga Chikadze, the kickboxer, goes out here. Cub Swanson spends, I guess, a minute too long in kickboxing range. Eats an absolute devastating pinpoint perfect body kick from Giga Chikadze to the liver. His body shuts down. He can't respond. Can't can't. I mean, he can't do anything. When you hit to eat that liver shot, your body, your nervous system says, go fetal. You fall on the ground. He even tries to grab a leg. You know, bless his heart, Cub Swanson, for, for trying to power through. He just can't, man. Giga uh, really didn't even want to follow up with shots, but goes, oh, the ref hasn't stopped it. I guess I'll punch this guy in the head a couple times. Uh, yeah, man. Um, Cub Swanson, we just never really got to see him get it going. You know, uh, a minute into the fight, Giga Chikadze lands that shot. Giga Chikadze, though, man, I, I said if he can get past Cub Swanson, this dude is the real deal. I wish we could have seen him get tested a little more. I wish we could have seen Giga. If we would have seen Giga go out here and just put a beating on Cub Swanson for three rounds, I feel like I have a much better read on what Giga Chikadze is capable of because the dude is 6-0 in the UFC. But we've seen in fights where he has struggled in certain positions. At the same time... He's getting these fights where he's winning very quickly as of late. I wish we could see it. I, I feel like I just don't know the full story on the skill set of Giga Chikadze. If he doesn't land that liver kick, if you can catch the kick, get him to the ground. You know, he's not very good once he's down there. That was going to be Cub Swanson's path to victory. We just never saw it. Giga Chikadze blows through Cub Swanson. We don't learn much, man. We know Giga Chikadze is a very deadly striker. We know the Giga the Giga kick is for real. Uh, at the same time, dude, six and zero in the UFC. How can you continue to doubt this guy? He's on the second best win streak in the division. Giga Chikadze, man, um, he's looking good. He's looking real good. Uh, this is what, like I said, one of the only losing bets I had on the night. I took that plus money on Cub. Man, one minute in smoked finito al what'd you what'd you have on this one dude well this is this is unfortunate i had uh i had uh Shikazi to win by decision and the way Ooh. that i came to that was uh you know you look at it um before this he had five fights in the ufc four of them by decision and then you look at cub swanson uh in his past 10 fights five of them were decision wins so between the two of the, these guys you're talking about 20 units on the to win by decision prop. So for me, and I kick myself because I, I talked about it last week where I said, you know, instead of taking a guy to win by decision, I'll take a, an over and the money line. And I, I got to tell you, today I stared at this one and I was like, should I do that? And I was like, no, I, this is this is a good bet. This is this is the right bet to make. Shikadze, and it just came down to, you know, uh, Cub Swanson is as tough as they come, 
and I wasn't handicapping that he was going to kick him in the liver in less than, you know, a good less than half of the, the first round. And like I said, Cub Swanson, as tough as they come, like a UFC MMA legend. And he was grimacing like the way that I grimace when I like stub my toe walking up the stairs like that. That kick took the life right out of him. And, yeah. uh, uh, you know, I had Shikadze winning this one by decision. I'm not too happy with the way that it played out, but it is what it is. Shikadze's the real deal. Um, it's just the second stoppage victory for him. Like you said, now 6-0 and in the UFC. And then this is interesting. He's turned plus 5.7 units on the money line. So tonight... As a minus one seventy favorite, you were kind of it was you were kind of paying a little bit of a price because this guy has been kind of an affordable bet, and you know he called out Maxwell Holloway, which is Ooh, just insanity. Sheesh. But he also um, he qualified it by saying, "If that doesn't make sense, I'll take Calvin Cater." And let's be clear: when Calvin Cater gets done putting his brains back together. <laughs> After yeah. what Max did to him, I would love to see Calvin Cater versus Giga Jacadzi. Uh, that is a banger. You know I what like I mean? It. Like that like is a lot. that is such a good fight, and it might be a little bit too much of a test. But this is the type of fight where I think it's perfect for Cater because you know I think Cater needs a big step down after the brain scrambling that he got from Holloway. So maybe we can do that in like I don't know. Uh, Shikadzi's probably should find another fight before then because you know it would probably be October that we see Cater step back in the in the octagon. So like I wouldn't be surprised if we see you know another one of those situations where we might see um, Shikadzi step in uh, sh- in a short notice type situation because if he's waiting out the Calvin Cater fight, I think he's going to have to wait a little bit. But if I'm Calvin Cater's camp. And I see that. That's the fight I want because Cater's uh, a bigger guy. You know, that's I, I can't even get into breaking it all down, but I think that's a pretty good fight for uh, Calvin Cater. And at the same time, I understand why Shikadze would want to fight him. But, yeah, that's a that's a hell of a fight. Sign me up. But he's going to have to wait a little bit at least. Yeah, like you said, man, we need uh... – the liquefied brains of Calvin Cater. They're probably just coming together. They're like jello that's been in the fridge for two hours. It needs just a little bit longer. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm totally with you. So should we move on to our main event here, Al? Oh God. Oh, oh should we ever? Oh boy. Al. Hey, people, if you watched the show last week, we gave you a little look ahead and you know what me and my man Al said, we said, you know what? Yuri Prochaska. This is the guy. This is the spot. This is the time. And boy, were we right, Al. Yuri Prochaska. <laughs> like I said earlier in the show, defeats the human being formerly known as Dominic Reyes. He took his soul. He put it into a small jar. And then he stuck it in his ponytail, okay? Um, spinning back elbow, the third in UFC history. Okay. I, I, I was explaining this fight earlier, okay? Yuri Prochaska versus Dominic Reyes looked like a superhuman who's trained high-level mixed martial arts versus a human being who's trained high-level mixed martial arts, right? Dominic Reyes landed good shots, but Dominic Reyes is a human being, okay? When he hits the superhuman, 
The superhuman's fairly unaffected, okay? Uh, when the superhuman hits the human, the human's devastated. The human's taking crazy damage. That's how this fight played out. I mean, this fight started off pretty close. Dominic Reyes had some success in this matchup, okay? But as time progressed, which, Al, I got to tell you, and don't get me wrong, it, it wasn't great odds, but I told people, and I never use the L word. I don't even want to say it right now. You know, it starts with an L, ends with an Ock, okay? But if there was ever one of those, this fight not going the distance was it, okay? There was just no way this fight could ever last 25 minutes. And that's the that's just the truth, okay? Yuri Prochaska, for better or worse, has a style. Again, I keep hammering on it. You can't prepare for this guy. There's no one in the world remotely close to what Yuri Prochaska is bringing into the octagon, okay? And we saw that tonight. Uh, this dude's just on another level, okay? He keeps his hands together to power up his fire chakras. He gets ponytails put in to give him mystical powers of the ancient samurais of Okinawa circa the 14th century. He's a warrior spirit. If he lived in medieval times, he would be riding into your village on horseback to decapitate every man, woman, and child until your uh, genetic pool was extinct, okay? This guy is on another level. He might not be a human, I am all in on Yuri Prochaska. I was tonight. We cashed it up. Okay, I gave out Yuri Prochaska. I said, listen, I get it. It's a risky bet. Dom Reyes is a very tough guy, but I'm going to shoot my shot. The dude gets down to minus 125. We're talking almost even money, okay, which that's the play I gave out, right? That's the play I gave out, just Yuri Prochaska straight. It hit me before this fight. I go, Yuri Prochaska is not winning by decision. I really don't see him. Uh, even taking the opportunity if Reyes gives him a sub. I just feel like this guy would posture up and rain down strikes. That's just his style. He's a highlight real guy. I said, Yuri Prochaz is going to win my knockout. So went ahead and doubled up. Said, give me that Yuri by KO plus money. Al Banger seals the night. Big profit. Units acquired. Money in the bank. Can I be stopped? I don't know. Yuri Prochaska was the side. He's the man. This dude will be getting the next title shot after Glover Teixeira versus Yuri Prochaska. Al, take it away before I think of 20 more minutes of stuff about Yuri Prochaska I can say. Yeah, this was, uh, for me, it came down to me either having a profitable night or a not profitable night came down to this fight. And, I, you know, I, I kicked myself because I was preparing for the show a little bit more than I should have been because I forgot to, you know, do the double down, you know, privately not share with everybody else type where I bet, you know, ridiculously, you know, just take my profits from uh, other investments and put it into this investment. And I didn't do it. And I kicked myself. But Yuri Prochaska on the money line. And then I also had uh, fight goes round three, no, which only cashed by 31 seconds. And to be honest, I was pretty nervous heading into that, that the second half of that second round. And then, <laughs> you know, for Chaska, it's just a performance. Like uh, he covers distance so quickly. He has such an unorthodox style. He's a little bit sloppy with his counters and he leaves himself open a bit. 
but it's you think like oh this guy's just too tough for his own good but it's you're also just like is he or is this all just like a thing because like he talked about uh the the book the five rings and i took a lot like i read into this a lot and the thing hit about the five hit me with it all i gotta know now it's so much about the way that you in battle of the way that you um trick your opponent into it's just about mind games basically and that's you know prochaska he has the this perfect way of uh like i was saying to you before we we started and we were off camera like it you can't trust yourself when he get when he's when you're hitting him and he's rocked because he's so in tuned to this to the way that you're thinking you know what i mean this guy is like an old school samurai like in he it's it's such a mental game and he's trying to drive you in. And, you know, at any point in this fight when he looked rocked, I really don't think he was rocked. I think that he just has an iron chin. And, uh, you know, it's it's almost, it's like uh, it's akin to, like, peak Anderson Silva. Like, he'll just eat the shot. And he's so charismatic. And he's so just, like, I don't even know what it is. It's just, it's, it's on a whole other level. And... You know, um, Yuri reminds me a lot of Adesanya in the way that he's just a little bit too a- animated in the way that he fights. He also kind of reminds me of like uh, Manel Cape, uh, you know, to a lot lesser extent and just a little bit like he's clowning too much. And I was literally writing that like he's clowning too much. And as I was writing that massive spinning elbow. And uh, this was just, uh, I mean, is it the knockout of the year? I think it is. Like, I mean, give uh, me, give me another contender. I, I guess ne- last week, chat. Last give week. us a contender. C- give us a couple KOs of the year, chat, please, because um, I can't think of one that beats that right now. I mean, the way he bodied Dominic. Uh, listen, we're lucky Dominic Reyes did not fall down on the back of his neck. Falling forward. I mean, that could have been serious. He's lucky the head kind of popped out. Dude, ugh, this guy's on another level, Al. This guy is the truth. I mean, yeah. I, I, listen, we. It's, it's hard to say. And I even said this this week. I'm like, yeah, the guy eats shots. Yeah, the guy doesn't respect his opponent's uh, ability to hurt him. Yeah, I would normally go against a guy who doesn't respect the power of a current top-ranked UFC light heavyweight, especially a precision striker like Dominic Reyes. And Dominic Reyes hit him with some really good shots early in that fight, and this dude really did not care. I will say, I think he ate a shot that hurt him. I do think there was one shot that hurt him, and he kind of needed time to get his his center of gravity back, get his his wits uh, back. But at that point, he had already put a lot of damage on Dominic Reyes. And Dominic Reyes, I think, kind of tried to jump on him, but at the same time was just wary. You know, even even a, a wounded Yuri is throwing absolute yeah. touch of death shots. Um, yeah, I mean, and sure enough, he gets his wits back about him and it's just on. You know what I mean? At that point, it's almost like he, he almost needed to get hurt to go, okay, yeah. now let's stop playing with my food and let's let's go ahead and get out of here. This guy is on another level. I'm telling you that the mentality, this dude, there's, there is a certain intangible we have in play here with Yuri Prochaska that is not 
a factor with any other fighter. Like, you know, normally when we when we talk about guys, you know, you know, well, well they'll have a certain certain something about them and you'll go, you know, this guy kind of has it. Yeah. And this guy kind of has it. And this, you know, and this guy, uh, there's there's a certain something, a, cer- a certain mysticism we have with this guy that yeah. there's there's not a number two. There's there's Yuri Prochaska by himself. Listen, I even tweeted out tonight and I got to say. Not a bad tweet. You know, Ian Kudalaba, you know, uh, you know, I'm a pretty intense guy. Yuri Prochaska, hold my beer. You know what I mean? Like, this dude is so intense, so badass. And, and I got to tell you, Al, I'm just the biggest fan at this point. I'm all aboard the train. Um, I, I need to see more. I need more. I need more Yuri right now. And let me tell you something, Al. There's no doubt in my mind. The UFC, they love what they see in this guy. Your action, coming forward, unorthodox, exotic striking, big power, knocks dudes out dead, and finishes fights. Dana White's rock hard right now looking at that main event, okay? There's a reason why Dana didn't have anything to say after that fight. He's laid back somewhere going, ha, ha, ha. Okay, Dana. This is the what I'm getting at is this is the exact guy that the UFC media train the uh you know we're gonna see this guy get a push. Okay, uh now don't get me wrong. Is Glover Teixeira deserve a title shot? Is, is Glover Teixeira blowing anybody? Oh man, Glover Teixeira. You guys know Glover Teixeira, right? Oh, you you don't. Okay, cool. You know what I mean? And don't get me wrong. that He's not that type of guy, right? Yuri Prochaska, this is a guy who, you know, we're talking mainstream access. If this guy can continue to add to these highlight reel knockouts, we're, yeah. we're talking about potential major superstar. And I think in this guy's third fight, he's getting a title shot. So what? What's t- tell me the last guy, not Michael Chandler, who just walks into the UFC and and does this to somebody and they go yep time for a title shot it's already in effect man yuri prochaska is the guy dom hey l- listen let's i gotta talk about dom reyes man we're talking about a dude went from probably beating john jones three rounds to two takes the l there probably undeserved i gotta be honest i remember watching the fight live saying to myself i had no skin in the game i did not bet the fight watching the fight i said damn i wish i would have bet dom reyes at plus 300 when they went to announce that decision, I thought we had a new champ. I thought Dom Reyes had done just enough to beat John Jones. Um, they give him the L. He goes in there against Jan Blahovich, a heavy favorite, a fight he was supposed to win, a fight I thought he was going to win. Gets blown through, just beat up and finished. And here we are yet again, a very similar outcome. The dude gets beat up and finished. Unbelievable, a guy a year ago. I'm thinking is getting his hand raised against one of, if not the greatest fighter of all time. And now we're talking about a guy on a three fight losing streak who's been finished in devastating fashion two times in the last four months. I mean, how quickly the tide turns in this game. Dom Reyes, what's next for him? I don't know, but it's a step down. It's a step down. You know, it's a top maybe a guy that's right at 10, a guy that's in the 12, 13 rankings. Um, I still think Dom Reyes is a good fighter. I just think Yuri Prochaska is just on another level, and we saw that tonight. Al, give me, give me something here. I, I'm, I know I'm going off. No, I mean, how can you not? Like, we could do a full podcast on Yuri Prochaska. Yeah, oh, like, boy. This guy's, uh, that's, 
for the people who don't know, like this guy, he was in, he was the Ryzen light heavyweight champion. And if you don't know what Ryzen is, it's basically like the lineal continuation of pride. Right. Like up until like, uh, you know, I always put out my, my betting trends. I couldn't do it with Yuri Prochaska up until five fights ago because his like five fights ago, they were still fighting fights that were longer than five minutes. Okay. This was the first round was 10. And then the next two rounds were uh, five minutes and five minutes, you know, Ryzen got away from that luckily. And, uh, but yeah, like this guy, He's on a whole other level. And I just wanted to talk about quickly the thing with the, you know, the only time that we seen him got knocked out was against King Mo and in Ryzen. And I watched that fight today. So did I. He wasn't really knocked out. Like he was knocked out. Like he was down. He got dropped. But if that fights in almost any other promotion, like, what do you think? Like, I thought, I thought he was still. I, I honestly I thought it was fair. I thought it was a TKO, but here Al, here's another thing you gotta add on. He fought earlier that night. That was his second oh, yeah. fight of the night. Okay. <laughs> so anyway. you know what they're not gonna have him do in the UFC? <laughs> yeah. Fight two times in a night. You know what I mean? So yeah. put a little asterisk by that uh in my book. You know what I mean? And then yeah. the only other time the dude's been finished is by submission. But we're talking first off, let's also another asterisk because King Mo knocked him out in 2016. I mean, we're talking six years ago at yeah, this point. Exactly. And then he was submitted like nine years ago. So this yeah. dude, we're talking about a guy who was finished when he was 21 and 23. You know what I mean? Not the, the monster that we've seen emerge into the UFC. You know, they talked about it on the broadcast. Yuri Prochaska delayed his UFC <laughs> tenure, okay? This is a guy who said, let me murder everyone in Japan. Let me dominate the outside the UFC scene. And when I feel ready, when I think the time is right, I will take the step into the UFC. And he did to high-level competition in Vulcan Uzdemir. And he just blew through the guy. And then you know what he did tonight? Blew through a guy that probably beat John Jones. Do I need to say it? You guys know the limit. It's the sky, okay? The yeah. sky is the limit. Yuri Prochaska, I'm all aboard, baby. Al, what what else is there left to say? Just really quickly before we move on to, uh, you know, what's ahead here. The thing about Prochaska that makes him, you know, he's he's still really young. And he fought at heavyweight at, in Ryzen. And he probably has got maybe one good weight cut down to 185 in him. Oh, like, oh, boy, I don't think – that I don't see, Al. He's a huge dude. He, I don't see that one. You put him in the – well, yeah, you might be right. But uh, still, I mean, this guy, he's got super fight written all over him. Like, let's wait. Let's cool Let's cool it down a little bit. Let's get him – you know, uh, he's going to fight for the title. And even if he fights Blahovitz, you know, Blahovitz is a little bit of a – it's a bad matchup just because of the, you know, the – Blahovitz's wrestling is on another level, and I think that Prochaska, if he tries to play those games with Blahovitz, it's such a crazy fight, though. But I do think he can beat uh, Glover Teixeira. I think that that uh, that's a that's a really good matchup for him. But I think you know, yeah, the sky's the limit. Like this guy has a, a huge career in front of him if he wants to keep fighting in the UFC. Like, uh, yeah, I think. And then also, he's an international superstar. He speaks Czech. He speaks English. He speaks Japanese. Wow. 
he's you know he is the perfect guy right like and uh yeah i think this is all part of that uh you know the ufc kind of rebranding themselves into a into a universal mma uh sure organization and they're you know they're gonna be uh you know um we might see this is the type of guy who can bring that type of thing where he can fight in two weight classes and you know like I would love to see Prochaska fight at heavyweight, like, and you know, again, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but it's warranted. And like, do yourself a favor. And we 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 didn't talk about this enough leading up to this fight. I mentioned it just a little bit before we finished last week, but do yourself a favor and watch Yuri Prochaska's fights at, in Ryzen on YouTube. Like, just sit back and enjoy. Oh, they're just as good. He's a he's a he's a killer, man. Yeah, and, they're just as good as what you saw tonight. So if you're feeling like you need more action, yeah, uh, yeah. he's got about ten fights where, uh, yeah, you know, he he gathers a few more souls on his way. You know, if you want to see the lead up to tonight, yeah, yeah. it's it's and phenomenal. Like, the UFC does a disservice to themselves by not acknowledging Ryzen, right? Because it just you know it's just I don't know why they do it, but you know I. I I guess the I don't even know why they do it, but for some reason they just you know he, uh, Paul Felder even said like you look like you've been doing this for years and I just like you know I shook my head like <laughs> look, hold on serious? did he really say that yes oh, he said it looks no. like you've been mastering this sport for years and Prochaska was like you know everything in my career before I was in the UFC led up to me being here. And at this point, he's had crazier wars. Like I think he's been challenged more, albeit he was much he was much younger and not as skilled. But I think he's been challenged much much more in Ryzen than he has in the UFC so far. Oh and yeah, again, he def- yeah, he definitely had tougher fights in you know in Risen, uh, you know, up to this point for sure. Yeah, and uh, let's we'll track this as we go as we do our show here. Let's track this. So two fights. Two inside the distances, a one hundred dollar better who has bet on Prochaska inside the distance is now up four hundred and fifty dollars. So let's see. Now you got four hundred and fifty dollars to play with if you're betting Prochaska the next time. And I gotta tell you, like Prochaska and Blahovitz, and as soon as you can do that fight, like I don't know, where you, you do that fight in Prague, you do that fight in uh Kiev, Kiev and Warsaw. That's a, oh dang! Oh like, man, I just about went. Okay, you know what? Yeah, good call. <laughs> I almost, I almost went crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, I'm totally with you, man. Uh, you're, you're right. I mean, it, we, I'm, I'm seeing an international superstar here. The guy's just pure excitement. I, I can't think of a guy who's more fun to watch right now than what we're seeing with this guy. Uh, dude, I can't wait. Glover Teixeira, Jan Blahovich can't come soon enough because I got to know who Yuri's fighting next. So there you go, folks. That's a wrap. Uh, as far as the recap goes, your boy killed it. Al Mack made some profit. We did the damn thing. We continue to roll on. Let the profit train chug along. Al, what should we take a look ahead at? Uh, Sorry, one second. I'm trying to fix my green screen here, but it, it might just be a lost cause. So you're just going to have to look at my... Oh, eye. you're good, man. You know, the, the, I think you look good with the green anyway. You should just rock the, the straight green. <laughs> okay, but yeah. Um, 
just you know next week's card isn't that spectacular uh, you got that right dude awesome. uh i get i i looked ahead and i'm <laughs> not uh blown away by some of these matchups you know it's a, it's an interesting card a little bit lackluster uh probably gonna have to really pick some shots here on this next week huh i will say this though there is one fight on this card that is a huge that's just just a, a treat and i i'm not even from a betting perspective this is betting apart but it's uh um Diego Fiea against uh Gregor Gillespie and that's that's a great fight and that's going to be my main event as far as betting goes um I, I don't know I can't call it I don't even know what the line is right now I imagine Gillespie would be favored he uh, is yeah uh that's a hard fight to call I damn I don't know like if that's violence or if that's just um three straight rounds similar to the Dariush uh, fight and then Gillespie is coming off a big that big knockout loss, right? To Kevin Lee, right? Yeah, he had a comeback fight though. He's back. Yeah, on it track. Got, he was spo- no, but he it got canceled. Oh, you're right. Back. Yeah, you're right. The fight. Who was he supposed to fight? I think and it was, got canceled. Fight day. Damn, I forget who he was supposed to fight. Yeah, uh, I do too. Because it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't. Um, Man, who was that? I can't even remember, but you're right, dude. Man, how weird is that? My memory goes, oh, yeah, uh, he came back. He won. <laughs> no, he didn't. The fight, the fight well, did not happen. So, Well, we saw uh, him do, like, his his weekday, like, everything, everything, even it got canceled on fight day. There we so. go. It sucked the goat in the chat. Totally hit us with it. It was Brad Riddell. Brad Riddell. Yeah, and a that fight that I liked, I liked, I liked Gregor in that matchup quite a bit, honestly. So, um, yeah, you know, I mean, how are you leaning in that fight right now? Uh, it's it's so hard, like it's so hard for me, man, because I'm such a big fan of both those guys. Uh, this is one where I really have to just like, you know, get myself into the mental state where I can separate myself from any type of fandom because. I'm a big fan of both those guys. I thought that um, Fahea in his fight against Darius, he looked really good. Um, and I think that was a split decision loss. So, I mean, that's a good fight, man. I don't know. I have no idea. I, I, yeah. I have no idea. I'm going to sit back and uh, I'm going to sit back and watch that one. I'll probably, I will have a bet on it. But as far as I don't have a gut call, absolutely not on that one. And it's just unfortunate because, you know, we lost um, – uh, what did we lose? We lost friggin' uh, uh, Sanhagen, oh, which – and, dude. you know, next next Saturday night is my birthday, so it's, it's extremely upsetting that Damn. we lost that. But we still got the Canelo fight. And then, you know, we lost the Diego Sanchez fight too, which I was – Oh, my God, super. you're right, dude. This card took some hits. And, oh, no, tell, tell me it ain't so – we ended up with a Michelle Waterson main event. <laughs> Dude, come on, man. I can't do it. That's that's I'm as hardcore as it gets. I can't do Michelle Waterson in the main event, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, we're gonna have to take that card off. I'm just kidding. Uh nah, we're gonna we're gonna cover it. We're gonna talk about it, but dude, come on, man. Like that's just that kills me. I was so hyped for Sandhagen uh Dillashaw. That was gonna be on point. Um, I, I, I got to lean Gregor Gillespie here. You know, this guy's a superior wrestler, superior grappler, 
we've seen how you beat Carlos Diego Fajeda. Okay. You take this guy down, right? Uh, it's how Benil Dariush beat him both times. I think Gregor comes in here, uh, plays it smart. Gregor's one of the best wrestlers in the division, an undersized guy, but uh, nonetheless, one of the, one of the best wrestlers. I think he knows he needs to go in there, keep this fight. It's not at striking distance. And just rinse and repeat. Matt returns, rinse and repeat. Stay on top. Beat this guy up from top position. I like Gregor Gillespie in the spot for sure. Yeah, it's it's it's. I can't call it, man. It's it's one. It's a rare fight where I don't really have a a gut on it because, like, it's just it's it's rough to you know. I think um, Diego only has three losses in his UFC career, and those are all. Two of them to Dariush, right. right, and the other one is to Dustin Poirier. A no so, doubt, man, high so level this, freaking guys. Yeah, and he kind of—it's uh, unfortunate for him because he kind of just had like a kink. I don't know exactly what it was. I think it was an injury, and then the pandemic, he kind of just had like a, um, just kind of like a he's his career stalled. But he was he was he's right up there, and he's still a couple wins away uh, wins away from being right back up there. Um, but yeah, let's let's put this in the rearview mirror because the Saturday after next Saturday is absolutely unbelievable, and we touched on it last week. But um, now I got the picks. I think the the picks are in for these three fights uh, that we talked about last week: UFC 262, Houston, Texas. Uh, we got Michael Chandler fighting in his second UFC fight. For the lightweight gold against Charles Oliveira, a guy, it's literally the least deserving guy in the division. It's the most deserving guy Whoa, in the division. The least deserving guy <laughs> in the division. At least in the wow. top five. In the top five. If is he how okay. is he even in the top five? Sure. Anyway, uh, hey, I'm not gonna argue with you there. But anyways, uh yeah, the pick, the pick here is definitely. And you don't, you know, the way I handicap this is Charles Oliveira is going to win this fight inside the distance, but you don't even need to bet inside the distance because we're still getting like a pick them line on Charles Oliveira right now. And if you wait, if you wait just a little bit, we might get a plus money line on Looks Charles like it's Oliveira. coming. Yeah. Looks and, like we're going to get uh, it. Which, you know, it's, it's absolutely crazy to me. And Al, where did we open up at? We opened up with um, we opened up at around what was it like minus one forty five? Oliveira no. minus one forty five. Sorry, I have it right in front of me. Minus one seventy eight. There you go. There you go. So that's what and, I'm talking about. And as of and uh, my graphic here goes to last Saturday, which was uh, minus one twenty eight. And I'm looking at it right now. He's moved even closer to plus money at minus 115. There's some books that have this straight pick them minus 115, minus 115. Wow. Um, it's, 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 they might like, uh, yeah, this is one where like the sharp, uh, I'll say, this is the thing, right? Charles Oliveira, he doesn't have a reputation for being a brawler, but. He's gotten significantly better from the days of him quitting in that fight against uh, Max Holloway. Um, you know, we saw him take his best shots. We saw him take Kevin Lee's best shots. We saw him take some serious, you know, some good shots from Tony Ferguson. 
Um, this guy, he's got a chin. And as I touched on last week, like he's not going to have his hands down and be like all discombobulated, like how Dan Hooker was to get himself caught with that uh, big left that Chandler throws. And the thing about Chandler, you know, like, let's look at this. Honestly, Dan Hooker, a well-timed shot. And then prior to that, what was it? Benson Henderson, another well-timed shot against a guy who's probably past his prime. And then yeah. uh, um, Sydney Outlaw, another really well-timed shot. Mm, uh, he ain't it. And against another guy who's yeah. put in the spot because it was a big fight or co-main event in Japan. And it was what it was. And it was coming off of him being on the other side of that well-timed shot against a guy who is a weight class smaller than him. And, you know, I, I will say this. That was a terrible stoppage. And Mike, if I was Michael Chandler, I would still be going on about how he got robbed in that fight because that was that was a really bad stoppage against Pitbull uh, for him to lose that uh, lightweight belt. Um, but, yeah, let's talk about this. 18 fights in Michael Chandler since 2013. He's won eight of them inside the distance, but he has lost five of those fights by getting knocked out, right? And this guy, um, he's he lost two of them. Sorry, he lost three of them by getting knocked out, two of them by decision. Uh, and that's against, you know, Bellator, like not taking anything away from Bellator, but it's not the UFC. And Charles Oliveira is, at, is, on, a, is on a whole other level. And his striking might be, it might be why the, the line is the way that it is, the perceived uh, notion on Chandler having the striking edge. It's not, it's, it's just not, it's going to be a non-factor because um, I just don't, I, I don't see it turning into the type of fight where Oliver is going to let himself have his guard down and get knocked out. Like we saw Benson Henderson, um, um, Dan Hooker and Sydney outlaw which is the lead up to how he's gotten to where he is now. That's pathetic. I'll, I'll be straight up honest. That's pathetic. And uh, Charles Oliveira is going to win the belt. And cat like uh, this is, this is one of those ones where I usually try to make it like a sneaky, like a sneaky pick, like how the Luke a pick was. But uh, this is, this is the, I, I won't say the L word because it's far from the L word. But this is up there. I think, though, what's closer to the L word is the under and the fight goes the distance. No, because I cannot see this fight going uh, going inside, uh, going to decision. Charles Oliveira has 13 stoppage victories, the most submission victories in UFC history. And like I said, Michael Chandler has eight stoppage victories in his uh, last 16 fights. So someone's either going to sleep or they're getting tapped out here. And uh <clears throat> yeah, uh, what do you think? <laughs> I think exactly what you think. I'm on Oliveira too. And I think uh, the odds are it's five-round fight. Oliveira is a proven finisher at this point. Uh, we've seen Michael Chandler finished. When Michael Chandler loses, he usually gets finished. I'm with you all the way, Al. I, I, I literally don't really know what else I have to say. I think you pretty much covered it because that's exactly how I feel as well. All right, so then uh, let's go to this next one. And last week I was a little bit hesitant but no, I think that Benil Dariush, uh, Benil Dariush against Tony Ferguson, I think that's the play here on the money line. Uh, 
I see it like minus 130 at some places, which is just insanity considering where we were able, uh, where this opened at. Um, but yeah, uh, so I see it like minus 140. Minus 140 on Benil Darius against a guy who's uh, Tony Ferguson and taking nothing away from what Tony Ferguson has done in the UFC and in his MMA career, but it comes down to he's a 37-year-old lightweight. I think he's past his best days. He's had a lot of, you know, when you look at guys who've had finish victories over guys like Anthony Pettis and um, Donald Cerrone, in like the you know right before they get title shots you got to start you got to be like you got to think twice because like that fight that fight against Cerrone he was Cerrone was past his prime and I think the fight against Pettis Pettis broke his hand so is that right uh sounds about right to me yeah Yeah, I think I think that's the right fight yeah that was kind of a Pettis quit job it felt like it felt like uh Pettis knew the fight was lost why go out there and let this dude keep touching me with these razor sharp elbows? So, um, yeah, man, dude, this is such a tough fight, man, because it's like Dariush has there's there's areas of Dariush's game that's exploitable. Right. And if Tony Ferguson really focuses on those areas, I think he can win the fight. But at the same time, I'm 100 percent with you that Tony Ferguson's best days are behind him. Um, you know, I was ready to I, – I listen, I, I swear to God, I might have been the only I – mean, I think we covered this last week because I think you were there too. You were on it You weren't too. the only one. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. At the time, it felt like I was the only man in the world who was picking Charles Oliveira to beat Tony Ferguson. Um, and it was just domination. It, I, I expected a much better fight than that from Tony Ferguson. Uh, it really opened my eyes to the decline of Tony Ferguson – but it also opened my eyes to the rise of Charles Oliveira. Um, you know, I thought the Gaethje fight was going to be a tough fight. I thought it was going to be close. I didn't expect that to be all one-way traffic Justin Gaethje, okay? Um, I didn't expect that to be all one-way traffic Charles Oliveira. Benil Dariush is not a tremendous gap down from either one of those guys. You know, he's in... I'm not maybe I'm not going to say that the same class. I don't think Benil Dariush ever captures UFC gold. I don't think Benil Dariush ever fights for UFC gold more than likely uh, just because he still does have some issues and he does have hit ability. But I do feel like we're seeing the best version of Benil Dariush versus a declined Tony Ferguson who's taken a tremendous amount of damage, is mentally ill. I mean, that's not even debatable. This guy's yeah. mentally ill when yeah. you think about what he's done outside the octagon. And I'm not I'm not dogging the guy at all. It's just a fact. If you show up to your wife's parents' house because she has to live there because you're so crazy uh, and you're digging up the fireplace trying to find the cameras uh, and you kidnap your own child and jump over a, a six-foot-high privacy fence with your kid in tow in the rain – you're mentally ill. That's just all there is to it. Now, does it come and go in waves? It seems to, but is the dude also the weirdest guy I've ever seen and lives in a delusional world where he's still the best in the world and is going to beat Habib? Yeah. Yep, that's that's Tony Ferguson. Um, yeah, I, at this point, I just feel like I, regardless of the skills this man possesses, 
I don't think I can back Tony Ferguson unless we're talking yet again, a step down in competition from a, from a Benil Dariush. And like I said, can Tony sharpen his game and exploit the problems we've seen in Benil Dariush? Yeah, absolutely. Benil Dariush, very hittable. Benil Dariush gets hurt. Benil Dariush gets rocked almost every fight. Um, can Tony absolutely take advantage? Yeah, he can. He can win that fight. He can beat Benil Dariush. I think so. But as it stands right now, um, I think this is a classic trajectory uh, situation. Tony Ferguson, decline. Benil Dariush, incline. It's it's going to be real tough for me to to be able to convince myself that Tony Ferguson's the side in this spot. Yeah, and like uh, you said it best, and like I feel like the that whole like champ shit only like that's like the mantra for insanity because I see like people posting that stuff in like YouTube and in like Reddit and on Twitter and stuff like that. That's like your guy. <laughs> Your guy hasn't won a, a fight against somebody like you know top level in how long? Like, come on, let's stop with the. But you know, let's actually not stop because all of this, <laughs> all of this ridiculous uh, perception on a fighter who's past his prime uh, against a guy who's not past his prime, and let's mention is the biggest fight of his life, right? In Benil Dariush, and he's been. He's he's very deserving of this shot, right? And he's basically been working. You know, this is a guy who fought Scott Holtzman two fights ago in a fight that he should not have taken, but he he just wanted to get back into the into the octagon. It's a good point. Yeah, and uh, he's. Uh, I think he's going to make the best the 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 best out of this moment. My only hesitation is him getting a little bit ahead of himself because of the crowd and trying to chase a, a bonus. But I'm past that. And uh, it comes down to the numbers. Benil Dariush, 11-3-1 in his UFC career, plus 5.82 units. He's gone under the betting total. Or sorry, that's not in his UFC career. That's just in his last 15 fights. Um, but yeah, 15 of, or sorry, nine of the last 15 fights have gone under. And he does have five decision victories in those 15 fights. But uh, you look at Tony, Tony eight and two in his last 10. But um, uh, something interesting, you know, if you've bet against Tony Ferguson, uh, if you bet against him coming up to in his last, you know, since we've seen him against Pettis, you know, he's two and two and you've made money fading him because <laughs> I don't know how, but uh, Justin Gaethje was like a plus 200 underdog yeah. to Tony Ferguson. And uh, Charles Oliveira was like a plus 170 underdog, which is just absolutely insanity. Yeah, well, Al, here's the deal. When Tony Ferguson fought Justin Gaethje, there was a tremendous group of fan base who were telling me every day on my YouTube channel, Tony Ferguson will beat Habib. And then I would have to let them know, not a chance, not even close. And then, uh, you know, Justin Gaethje and Charles Oliveira absolutely proved that uh, I was totally right. And if Tony Ferguson fought Habib, it would be one of the worst one-sided maulings in championship history. And uh, Habib might, you know, catch catch a body. He might catch a charge. I mean, straight up. <laughs> I mean, Tony Ferguson does not want that heat. He might think he does, but he, he don't. Habib smashes this dude, and it ain't even close. So uh, what do you think, Al? Should we wrap this up? Should we bring this on home? Wait, one more thing just to qu touch on quickly, because this is what you were big on. Uh, this is what you were big on last week. Uh it's the co-main event, actually, and it's a it's the first ever non-title co-main event that will be a five-round fight, 
and it's Nate Diaz uh, and Leon Edwards. And yeah, last week I was a little bit hesitant, but yeah. And I will say this, I think that the value on this fight is on Leon Edwards to win this fight inside the distance because yes, Nate Diaz is not who we think he is anymore. And uh, think about this. So this is, this is something interesting that I, that I dug up and it's not, it doesn't really mean much. It's just a little tidbit, but from his loss to Josh Thompson to his loss inside the distance to Jorge Masvidal, in his last eight fights, he's only been stopped twice. Right. But if you bet on inside the distance on his opponent in every fight in those in those eight, you're up seven hundred and five units. Sorry, seven hundred and five. Sorry, seven hundred and five dollars. Okay. So if you bet a hundred dollars inside the distance, so that's a one one bet on Josh Thompson, which was I think at like plus nine hundred to yeah. win inside the distance, and then Jorge. Jorge inside the distance is still a good, uh, like, plus 130. Uh, and then, yeah, the market expects that, you know, Leon Edwards, he's had 12 fights in the UFC, or sorry, 13, if you count the Mohamed fight. Sure. Um, seven decision wins. So the market expects him. He's gone over the betting total in 11 of his 13 fights, and one of them was a no contest. So in 11 of his 12 fights, he's gone over the betting total. He's gone the distance in nine of his 12 fights. Um, but this isn't, this is going to be, if we think Leon Edwards, uh, you know, he had the thing with Jorge Masvidal, uh, you know, they were building up that the Edwards Masvidal pre pandemic, that was a fight that was probably going to happen after Leon Edwards beat, um, uh, who it was supposed to be Tyron Woodley, right? Uh, that was the, like the March London card in 2020 yep. and it got canceled. Um, you know, there's a you draw a similarity between Edwards and Masvidal, and why do we think that Edwards is going to cruise to a decision win when we saw Masvidal just completely piece this guy up? Uh, Leon Edwards, you know, he might be not be on the same level of his boxing, but as far as like his kickboxing and it's just his overall MMA game, I put him on the same level as Jorge Masvidal. And I think that he's going to, I think he's going to finish Nate Diaz. And I don't know, man, like this could be, this might be the defining, like Diaz does have like his back against the wall here. And that's mm -hmm. one thing we didn't mention with, with Tony Ferguson. Um, he definitely oh, yeah. has his back. Against this, too, but this, is, this is a desperation spot for both guys. Absolutely. And, and, and you, know, you know what, Al, I'm going to do you one better. So you said this is a, uh, you said this is the first co-main non-title five-round fight. I'm going to tell you guys right now. Here, here's a prediction for you. No, it's not. You want to know why? Leon Edwards takes out Nate Diaz within three rounds. We don't see those fake championship rounds, in my opinion. Um, yeah, Masvidal took him out in essentially three in between the third and fourth round. We never saw them get beyond. Um, Nate Diaz has a tremendous amount of scar tissue around his eyes. Uh, Leon Edwards is going to touch it up. You're going to see a very similar scenario. He's going to get cut up. He's going to get opened up and Leon Edwards finishes him in the third round. We don't even see round four or five. That's your prediction right there, folks. Take it to the bank, book it right now. If you got Leon Edwards ITD, go ahead and throw it on your boy bleed. I'm just throwing money out here to these folks. Thanks for watching. <laughs> yeah, right, Al, is, there, is there anything else you want to say before we wrap this? No, it, it's just, uh, I like I like how we're doing this. So we've come to conclusion together. You're not totally with me on Dariush, but not we're yet. all in. We're all well, in probably. on Oliveira. 
Not yet, but probably. On Edwards inside the distance. Inside the distance is the play here because the market is going to – I'm looking at the fight goes the distance, no, or fight goes around fight goes round five, no, is that plus money? Like, mm. like okay. I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a total out yet, but fight goes, the uh, fight reaches round five. No, is that plus money? So if that's what the market is expecting here, oh man, Leon Edwards inside the distance all day, all day, sit back and enjoy because we all love Nate, but he's not the guy that, uh, he's not the guy who beat Connor and, you know who was even Connor at that time? So we're we're talking about a guy who's like a little bit more of in the minds of MMA fans. Uh, you know this legend, you know, and he not, is, and he is, yeah, but not exactly in the technical and the X's and O's in the cage. You yeah, know, it's just it just he's he's gotten his his mouth and his persona has gotten him multiple times fights that you know bigger than what he can chew. And, Absolutely, uh, and you know what? Props to him for doing it. That's yeah, how the game is played, and I talk about it all the time. You're listen, going in the, the cage and winning an impressive fight. That's going to get you a good fight. You know what though? If you go in there and you say the right thing, you antagonize the right guy, you can jump literally one, two, sometimes three fights. There, we've seen guys talk their way into a situation that. Had they not said anything, would have had to win two or three fights to get to this point. Instead, they can leapfrog by using the persona, the mouth, causing stuff on Twitter. I mean, at this point in the game, you can go on Twitter, start some shit, and basically the public will book the fight for you. If it, yeah. if it catches on, if it goes exactly. viral, the UFC goes, wow, this has some traction. Let's let's do it. And now and both they, guys are mad at each other. Give me the contract. I'm going to sign it. You know what I mean? Like, it's and great. They kind of did that before, like the rise of like – MMA social media. He really did that. Yeah, exactly. Really right. He's a pioneer. Yeah, <laughs> he is a pioneer. He's it's a pioneer, true. man. Absolutely. All right. Well, there you go, folks. That's how we feel about some upcoming fights. That's the recap. Both your boys came out profitable. Al Mac kills it. I dropped another bomb. My goodness, Al. I am on a heater, dude. Looking to keep it alive. We got some. Uh, we got some other small events this week. We got a PFL. Um, man, I don't know what else, but I'm sure we got more. It's time to get to work, baby. We got some more events coming up. The grind never stops. It's UFC, baby. It's MMA. We ain't got no off season. If anything, we're entering the on season, the super season, right? Uh, money to be made. This is, uh, you know, we're a little bit ahead of the game here. These markets are a little soft. We kind of find some numbers that really don't make sense. We're here to exploit it. We're here to make everybody money, man. Uh, join the Patreon if you want every bet I'll be placing coming up. Uh, check out Al on Twitter. Check me out on Twitter. Uh, Instagram. What else do we got, Al? Uh, check out Spark Sports. What is it? Dot. Hit me with it, Al. Dot what? Yeah, old Canada. There you go, baby. Of- Straight out of Canada. Take that. Uh, take that maple syrup in your pipe and smoke it, folks. All right. He's Al Mac. I'm Bleed. This was your recap for UFC Vegas 25. We're out.